Evening, everybody. The one thing I have really wanted for this summit, uh, more than all, is that we would meet with God and that he would come and be in the midst, that he would you know, be face to face with everybody. There'd be a real outworking of you know, his long, his ancient promise, you know, that he would come and live amongst us and walk amongst us and be our God and we would be his people. And of course, he's, he's fulfilled that promise. That's something he spoke about on many occasions in the scriptures, actually. You find it all through the Old Testament. This is what he wanted to do. And of course, there's an initial fulfillment in that Christ came and lived amongst us. But the real fulfillment was, based on the work of Christ, the Holy Spirit came. And so we have this astounding outcome where he lives in us and we in him. And it's very much a face-to-face -face arrangement if you have the faith for it. You know, Paul tells us to appear intently into the face of Jesus Christ. That's written right in the New Testament. So, you know, we're in the flesh, but we don't know Christ after the flesh. We're not, we're not meant to. It doesn't help you, actually. I discovered as I went along that of all the experiences I had of Jesus, and, and there have been numerous ones, and some of them were visible and audible, others quite invisible and inaudible. But what I discovered was that whilst the visible and audible ones gave you information and, and were very important with regard to um, you know, commissioning and the like, the ones that really changed your life, the ones that really taught you grace, the, the one that had real power, the ones that had real power were those experiences of Christ in which everything was invisible and inaudible. And, um, and so when Jesus said to Thomas, you know, blessed are you because you've seen and believed, but more blessed are those who have not seen and believed, there's actually a huge truth behind that. We no longer know him after the flesh. And Knowing him after the spirit is the only way to actually know Jesus intimately. And for yourself, you've got to then work out what this would mean for you to seek God's face, knowing at the same time no one can see his face and live, although we are assured that one day we shall see him as he is because we'll discover that we've been made to be like him. Isn't that an astounding promise? No wonder he says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man to imagine what God has prepared. And yet we know it by his spirit. We know a lot of things after the spirit. And that's, that's the stuff that really counts as most transformative. When the Lord Jesus appeared to me in 1997, gave several instructions, the last thing he said was, keep looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ. And he was gone. And yet, this astounding, uh, it had an astounding quality. There was something about those words that had a quality or a grace or a power or a present that was not on the other things he said. The astounding nature of it was that it, he said it last, but it felt like he had said it first and it, it, it felt like it, it was present on that whole meeting. And yet he said it last. Now, how does he make things work like that? 
But think about the value of the statement itself. Keep peering and now keep looking into the eyes. Now, Paul in the New Testament says to peer intently into the face of Jesus. But of course, if you want real intimacy, you know, you, it's, it's the eyes you look into, right? So anyway, make of that what you will. I wanted for this conference more than anything, even if nothing else happened, even if there wasn't even a decent word to preach, I wanted there to be a sense in which God was in the midst. He walked amongst us. We met him. Uh, I can't even make that happen. It's, you know, but if you come with your heart to him and we enter into the spirit together, uh, the Lord will deal with us. He'll deal with each one. In fact, we, we received a prophetic word this afternoon. Well, sent to Hazel from someone not in this city. They're watching online. And um, we won't take time to read it, but they just sensed that uh, the Lord was saying he's going to, you know, um, he's going to change everybody, some a little, but some a great deal through these meetings. And that, that some, uh, you know, in your own mind, you're going in one direction. He's going to really turn you to go in another direction. Whatever that means, don't anybody you know, go and change directions off your own bat. No, if he's going to do something, you let him do it. This was just for some. We'll just see what the Lord makes of it. You know, but just, God is going to be God. He's just giving assurances. And uh, anyway, Lord, you're welcome. You are, you're here. You're more here than we are, really. But I thank you. You are in us each, and we are in you, and we belong to each other. We are a people. Thank you that we who are not a people have been made to be a people. A holy nation, a holy priesthood. Thank you for what you've made of us and are making of us. Lord, the heart's desire of us all is that we might meet with God in these days. Lord, do your work, your amazing work, your profound work in every heart. Do a work that no man can do in lifting up every heart, transforming every heart, filling hearts, speaking to hearts. I thank you that no matter what we say in the meeting, you have things to say, that people sitting here will hear things said that you said. And I thank you, Lord, that will be a reality tonight. That lives will be made rich, and, and primarily by the, the richness of Christ in the midst. So, Lord, we look to you and receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. And to put uh, second, it's one you haven't got there on the list. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Just put that on the screen for me. We were using another verse as our opening verse as a bit of a theme, you know, about the power of the kingdom. But I'm switching it. This verse has already had two or three mentions along the way spontaneously. And I feel that we, we've got to graduate now to another verse. <laughs> and this is the one. Because I, I feel that this is a verse um, that actually is, has a tangible benefit to you every day, every prayer, every circumstance, no matter what you're up against, here's a, one, here's a word that helps you. I was in Kenya a few years ago. And I've been, the conference I'm going to in a month, I've been there already four times in, in times past. And it's a great conference. Pastors, leaders gather from all over, wonderful worship. And um, 
I don't know whether it was the last time I was there or the time before, but I woke up on the first morning. The conference used to run for three full days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then all Sunday. This time it's four full days and Sunday, but um, so Wednesday was the first day I woke up that morning and I was crook. Now for the sake of the foreigners present and, and the many online, that in Australian language, this means quite ill, thank you very much. <laughs> now I woke up sick and, um, and you're thinking, oh no, you know, you're now about to shower, get dressed, go out to this first meeting, you've got to, you know, lecture maybe three times and you're, and you're as crook as a dog, another extraordinary expression, right? <laughs> but immediately this scripture came to me by the Holy Spirit. He, he pops these things out of the blue. You talk about the helper. Suddenly I remember this scripture. Of course that's grace. The phrase that came to me was, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. I thought, you beauty. I started quoting this scripture, standing on it. Lord, you've said you've granted me everything I need. And right now it's healing I need. You know, I throw off this sickness. Yeah, well, I defeated it. And, you know, rocked up to that series of meetings totally well. No sign of sickness. But I had a good word. And a good word is what we need. And here happens to be a word. And look, there are others. You know, there's a whole lot of healing scriptures, for example. And one of them, it's an Old Testament one that says he sent his word and healed them. And there might be a whole lot of people thinking, I've got to get a word, got to get a word. Friends, you've got a book full of words. Like he's already sent the word. So that's another approach you can take. You can say, Lord, you've already given me your word. It heals me. If you've got no other word, you go with that one, right? <laughs> but it's also handy when he says something afresh. You'll, you'll happily take it either way. But if you're not hearing anything, don't despair. You've got a book full of words. You say, Lord, you've sent your word and it heals me. <laughs> so it um, doesn't matter what happens, you've got to put the positive interpretation on it. You know, over the years I've prayed for people that when you prayed, they suddenly got worse. And I'd say, oh, this is terrific. This is a good sign. <laughs> I'd say, it means there's power here in this prayer because there's some spirit resisting it. You see, that's the truth, actually. So back to another prayer, clobber that thing, you know. Or maybe they get a partial, you know, suddenly they feel a bit better, but it's not completely gone. I say, oh, that's good. You know, this means this, there was power here at work, you know. Let's pray some more. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is, you, you better find grace in it. Anyway, here we are. Here's the word. That would uh, be just as well if you memorize this. Now, there's a second verse here. Just look at the first one to start with. His divine power has granted us. So in other words, it's already given. It's already been granted. You don't have to discuss it with, with the Lord. He has put this thing in place and it's all things. It's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Very handy. There's nothing left out here. Through, ah, but this is where you come in through the knowledge of him who called us. So in other words, you grow in knowledge, you grow in understanding, you grow in appreciation, you grow in knowing what the Bible says, you grow in knowing him. And this is what we're going to get onto here in just a moment, how to go about doing that. So through the knowledge, and of course it, it helps that I can remember things that were written and suddenly I've got ground to stand on. It's, plus I know him. There was a psalmist, I think it was a psalmist, who said, he must have been in some deep trouble, 
And he says, I know what I'll do. And now this is a, this is a very obscure statement, right? I had to think about it. He said, I, I will appeal to the ears of the, of the right hand of the Most High. Well, now that's a mouthful, right? What does that mean? I'll appeal to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. It's talking about all the powerful things that God has done in the past, all the years of the right hand of the Most High. The miracles we've seen, I'll appeal. Lord, this is the God you are. This is what you've done. And Lord, you're going to do better things. You know, you get, get, an, get a strong appeal out. You don't know how to talk to God. Know, know how to argue with God, like in the holy sense. Don't, don't take no for granted, you know. Draw strength from every past petition. Press in all the more. You must have answers. So here, through the knowledge of him who called us, and then if you move on to verse 4, by which? By what? By, well, through the knowledge of, of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. See, that, you've got to think about that. You're called to his glory and excellence, or you're called by his glory and excellence, depend on your translation. And apparently, apparently the meaning here is that it's, that it's by his glory and excellence that he has granted you his precious and very great promises. It's by the glory of God, by the excellence of God, he's granted you these words. So this is very strong ground. And it goes on to say, so that you can become part partakers in the divine nature, escape the corruption of the world. And in fact, there are more verses that follow, giving you instructions on how to add to your faith, uh, you know, knowledge and excellence and so on. It's worth reading it all. But if nothing else, we're just kicking off tonight saying, look, here is one of the most useful of scriptures to have thoroughly in the heart so that on any occasion you can stand on this word. You can build other words into yourself as well, but, but here is a universally useful piece of Holy Scripture to be a blessing. All right, last night, my, my purpose was to talk to you about the need for you to obtain more of the Holy Spirit, more power, to see power flowing. I, I didn't really get that far with it, but you know what we did seemed to do the job anyway. And I you know, told you a few stories, revivals we'd seen. And, and really what I was trying to do was to say, look, having the grace of God flow like that, power at work, transforming us, transforming others, breaking in, we, we have to go back to the cross and go back to the word of God and seek him that we might obtain afresh. Now, we happen to live in a society, if you're Westerners, that things are very difficult. Many parts of the world, like all through Africa, all through Asia, all through Latin America and various other places and out in the islands, the word of God, people will pay attention, people will get converted easily enough. I you know, gave an example of that in Cambodia last night. But here in Australia and like nations, it's, it's like the multitude aren't listening and it's, it's like you have, you have no power, you know? Where's, where's the power to transform society? There are pockets, of course. Uh, it just seems though our society is quite hard and drifted so far from the, the grace that it was known or the knowledge of God that was known. You've got whole generations rising now, don't even know who Jesus and the disciples are or what the gospel is or anything. 
Well, it can't stay that way, and it won't stay that way. But in the meantime, I'd just like to suggest that it behoves us to go back to seek the face of God and say, Lord, we must have power. There, there must be something that we can take a hold of that will position us a whole lot better that in our own circumstances we have the power of the Word of God afresh. Now, I've been carrying this book here. This is the fourth session I've carried this thing up in the hope that sooner or later it gets you to read you a little bit. So if I do this, you've got to promise not to be bored because, uh, you know, it can get that way. Uh, I'm not going to read long bits, but first of all, I'll tell you what the book is. It is called Echoes and Memories. It's an old Salvation Army book. It was written by Bramwell Booth, who was the eldest son of General William Booth, and he, in turn, he was for years and years the chief of the staff and then became general, second general of the Salvation Army. There's a grand photo of the, of the dear old man uh, right here in the front. Man, Jonathan, we ought to get this and get this up on the screen for people. Where's Jono? Now, there he is. We get this. And I want you to track down for me a grand old picture or two of, of General William Booth himself. I eh? like put it up here and show folks, you know, the, these, these were grand old men, you know. Anyway, um, so he wrote this book called Echoes and Memories. And you talk about profound writing, just so beautiful to read all this, you know. You, and um, he's got a chapter in here, chapter seven, called Signs and Wonders. And uh, Bramwell Booth was, you know, an, an administrator par excellence. His father, of course, you know, just great evangelist, but he could move so freely in the most, most ordered societies. Uh, his, his thinking, his, his, his writing ability, his songwriting, his administration, his, his theology, and at the same time could so move in the spirit, could hold crowds spellbound. You talk about, I mean, he was preaching one night about what it would be like when um, some, some adulterous man was brought before the judgment seat of Christ and, and, and some woman stood up there to accuse him. And some fella up in the gallery felt so guilty, he leaped over the gallery onto the floor below and rushed to the front to repent of his sins. You know, the old fiery evangelists, you know, they, they had some, but see, they had power. And we're going to find that power again, not rather than just being happy with the bit we have. Because, you know, a lot of days it feels like there's not enough power there to blow the fluff off a pumpkin. I, you know, uh, no, that's not really true because we, we see a lot of grace. But we've got, you know, hard things to break into. Anyway, he, he talks in here about all kinds of things they saw in the early Salvation Army. But he's also got a story here that comes from his teenage years, and he was an eyewitness. He went to Cornwall. I think it's Cornwall. And he said, um, well, it was Cardiff, or is that in Wales? Is that the same thing? Whatever. I've got to find out more about the UK. Apologies to all those online who are experts. Anyway, he, he talks here about how in this area there was a lot of activity going on, missions and evangelism, and the Spirit of God was work, and the mission was very successful. And the, the night after night churches were crowded and so on and so forth. But there's also a lot of opposition, uh, a lot of slander going on and so on and so forth. But he, he, so he tells this story that in the course of the mission, some opposition and ridicule developed in the town. And Mr. Aitken, now I gather he's, he's a layman, but he was a key worker in this mission. He was especially attacked 
for certain remarks he had made in a sermon on retribution. But he said, I was walking up the street one day and I saw Mr. Aitken approaching. A number of men on seeing him flocked to the door of a public house. So he's, he's going past a, a pub. A whole bunch of guys inside see who this is, you know, the notorious Mr. Aitken. And they rushed to the doors to jeer and ridicule. And uh, one of them jeering at him as he passed offers him a pot of liquor. Mr. Aitken turned and said to him in his deep voice, but with extreme tenderness, oh, my lemmy, how will you bear the fires of hell? At those words, the man dropped on the pavement. He fell like a piece of wood, losing all consciousness for the moment. People assisted him, Mr. Aitken looking on, and presently there on the sidewalk, he came to himself and sought the mercy of God, Afterwards, as I learned, becoming an earnest Christian man. So we've got a book full of these stories here. But see, this was, this was the kind of power, because this is back in the era of the great, second great spiritual awakening, and the, uh, which led to a whole lot of things we have in the world today. He, he talks here of the all nights of prayer they used to have and what went on in them. And he said he's, you know, in some of these all nights of prayer, you'd have... Um, a few hundred people present. But he said the Spirit of God would be moving on that meeting all night long. He, he's got an interesting phrase here. From the very first, Jehovah was passing by. I love this old language, you know. And, but he said it wasn't unusual to see, you know, the Spirit of the Lord come on the meeting and 50 or 60 people just, just uh, you know, crash to the ground. I mean, this is long before Pentecost. This was a, um, well, this is back in 1860s. He said, um, I read this a little bit here. He, he said, we had a hallelujah meeting till 10 o'clock and then commenced an all-night of prayer. 250 people were present. A tremendous time from the very first Jehovah was passing by, searching, softening, subduing every heart. The power of the Holy Ghost fell on Robinson and prostrated him. The, the brother of the Blanders, isn't it? One entered into full liberty and then he shouted, wept, clapped his hands, danced amid the scene of most glorious and heavenly enthusiasm. Others, meanwhile, were lying prostrate on the floor, some of them groaning aloud for perfect deliverance. And uh, he said, I, anyway, he says more. And uh, he talks about the outcome in, in the lives of people afterwards. It's all astounding. And uh, uh, this is probably all I really need to read. And... Um, mm. He says, though that um, they, were all, they were suspicious of any experiences that people claim to have of God that um, put them in a place where they avoided self-denial and, and powerful witnessing. Uh, they, they put a huge emphasis on this, the living of a holy life of self-denial, of personal sacrifice, and of absolute devotion to the gospel. And um, of course, in their meetings, there was always a great emphasis on the, the giving up of anything in your life that was doubtful, getting victory over things. Anyway, plenty to learn from these old books. And um, even even had to write good literature. It's amazing, you know, the, the, the ancients. And uh, 
the quality of the English. <clears throat> Friends, in, in the present day in which we live, we must find power again. Which leads me to the thing I wanted to have something to say about tonight, and that is the spirit of understanding. And it's not exactly a switch of emphasis. The, the spirit of understanding is an anointing. I'm speaking to you now after years of reflection and prayers and seeing the grace of God work in various ways, so I'm able to encapsulate this in a way that at the beginning we didn't have the language for. But back after seven years of prayer, it was that the Lord said to me, and this was late in the year 2002, he simply said there is an anointing by which community is built. We had been praying for seven years, David Hood and I and others, for the church to come into a greater intimacy with one another, a greater sense of belonging and, and oneness. And we had taught a great deal in those seven years and prayed a great deal, but had not seen any change. Until the day the Lord said to me, there is an anointing by which community is built. So he described the anointing, he didn't name the anointing. And I thought to myself, well, what that means is we don't have it. We don't have that anointing because we've been trying to build community and not getting any change. So if there's an anointing by which it's built, it, it must be a missing anointing. But I also realized that if there was such a thing, it had to be in the scriptures. So I went searching the scriptures. I found what I was looking for. And it was the next Sunday that I prayed over our church. Well, first of all, I taught the church based on that statement, what I'd found in the scriptures and said, there is a grace. Now you remember what I told you first session this morning about impartation and how I'd learned that in a meeting, Holy Spirit is present. There's what we might call a group anointing. And then you can take a hold of something that's in Christ that you need or he wants to give and you can bring it down upon the meeting and release it. And it does an amazing job. That's a real anointing that goes out. I prayed that prayer here this morning at the end of the first session. I've had more than one person tell me that it, it really came on them. Something was really given to them. And it will have profound effect in an ongoing way. Well, on this occasion, uh, years ago, I thought, I know what I can do. If there's a missing anointing, then I can pray and release it. And that's what I did. It was October 4, 2002. And it was a simple prayer. There was nothing to see. One of these occasions where there was nothing to feel, except it had the meaning that I'd given to it in the message I preached. I prayed, released that anointing, and it changed everything. Not then. There was nothing to see then. Well, I just pronounced the benediction and we had morning tea and went home. But the changes that unfolded were really quite astounding and they held. It was a blessing to our hearts. It changed hearts. So there was something about this anointing. And what is it about understanding or the spirit of understanding that does this? Well, it turns out it's such a powerful anointing. It's so... Um, it's a broad-based anointing, shall we say. It does a lot of things. And it has a very significant place in the scheme of things, so much so that when 
the Spirit of God upon Jesus is described by Isaiah and described with seven terms. It's one of the terms. Now, John chapter 3 tells us that the Spirit of God was given to Jesus without limit. And Paul tells us later on in Colossians that all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. So in a human body and functioning through human words and a human brain was the fullness of the Godhead. How can that be? All the fullness of the Godhead in one man. But what it says to me is that all the fullness of the Godhead, like in the day of Jesus upon the earth, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in the body of Christ. But today, the head of the body is in heaven and the body is on the earth and it is you and I. And the whole deal here is that ultimately, it's still the body of Christ on earth that is meant to contain or be filled with the fullness of the Godhead. Now you might think that sounds a tall order. But there are two places in the book of Ephesians where Paul tells us that we are meant to come to a state of grace, that is the church on earth, under the leadership of apostles, in time, that is, we're not talking eternity, we're not talking the other side of the day of redemption, we're talking right in the here and now, and Paul says, while Christ is still ascended in heaven, no second coming yet, thank you very much, this is meant to happen historically on earth, sooner or later, the church on earth is meant to come to this place of a spiritual maturity or a state of grace that Paul says, in Ephesians 3 he calls it, the fullness of God. The fullness of God. The very thing that was said to be on Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead. And a chapter later he calls it, the fullness of Christ. We get this twice. Well, what is it? What is this? Well, if, if we step back a minute to the seven terms that describe the anointing of Jesus, and the Apostle Con, John calls this the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God. Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. That's, one, that's the first descriptor. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Seven things. Think, uh, look, if you take white light, ordinary old light, God is light, put it through a prism, you get a rainbow. Seven colors. But you know fine well, there's not just seven colors in white light. There's every imaginable color at one stage, they invented a computer screen that could produce 266 million different colors. They're all in the rainbow. Here we have on Jesus a rainbow, like God is light. So this description, you know, in seven kind of terms we can understand is simply a description of some infinite grace, some astounding thing. But it can be understood through this lens of thinking about it in these terms. So it doesn't say he's anointed to preach, you know, anointed to prophesy. No, we often think in those terms, anointed to lead worship. Oh, such an anointed worship leader. 
That's all good, but it's merely, it's an outworking of all that grace that was on Jesus called by other names. Well, it just so happens. Well, two things I want you to take from this. First of all, I think the ultimate goal of God through the apostolic movement, leadership of apostles being restored, apostolic grace being restored, apostles are here to work with the rest of the fivefold ministry to lift up the fivefold ministry, to lift up prophets, to lift up pastors, and together this ministry lift up the whole body of Christ because we have to come to what Paul said was the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, measuring up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, which Jesus himself described as Father make them one as you and I. See, there's the measure, as you and I. See, that's the tallest order you can imagine. But all this is meant to happen on earth because Jesus in that prayer said that the world may believe. So you have to quit thinking that if you're a Pentecostal that that's the top of the tree. We're not there yet. You know, the Lord kept adding graces over the centuries teaching, maturing, bringing in more and more freedom. We've got now more freedom in worship than the church ever had, more freedom in moving in the spirit, more freedom in prophecy and words. You know, there's a whole lot more maturity than there was before, but all this is a process toward a goal, which is this ultimate maturity of the church on earth. And I'm giving you a glimpse of it. In other words, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in the church on the earth in other words, those seven anointings, if we can call it seven anointings, you know, the sevenfold spirit in, in fullness, imagine if that was in the church, in every city. And the reason it's not is because we're not one. We are not one as a people. Now, we're working on it. Spirit of God's working on it. But you have to have, you have to be a people of one heart and one mind to have more of these anointings. Now, here's where the spirit of understanding comes in. This is why the spirit of understanding, one of the seven, is the critical one. And the thing I'm about to tell you it does is only one of the things it does. But it's the one that changes our hearts in a way that causes us to walk with each other in oneness. That's one of the things it does. Changes our ability to see each other differently. To take out of our hearts unclean things, that, the unclean things in association with relationships. In other words, it deals with jealousies, cleans out selfishness, cleans out selfish ambition, cleans out contentions. A good dose of that anointing will wash out of a congregation the striving and the competition and leave in its place an appreciation of one another, a love of one another, a belonging. Now, all this is history. I wrote a whole book on that aspect of the spirit of understanding. But I want to touch on another. And fortunately, I've got, got a few minutes. So I, we can do this. I spoke to this church a few weeks ago and to Alex's church the week after and to a few of the sons online about the thing I want to mention again here. A lot of people here weren't in those meetings and a whole heap more online. 
The, um, I, I tell you this story. When I was first converted, I was, I was just 15 years of age by a few days. Of course, you were told to read your Bible and pray every day, you know, and, and so you start out doing that, and each night I'd sit on my bed and read some of Paul and, and pray some prayers. And you're just a kid, you know. You, 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 yes, you've been hanging around the church for five years. You've probably heard a lot of things. You're not ignorant about being a Christian, but now you've been converted. And so um, <clears throat> suddenly this is meaningful and important. I, um, I don't remember having read my Bible or prayed before. But I wrote a little prayer list I don't know why I did this. It had to be the Holy Spirit, scrap of paper and a pencil, and I wrote a list. And every night I prayed for those things on that list, except that everything on the list was pretty much the same thing. On the list I wrote wisdom, understanding, insight, knowledge, discernment, and every word I could think of to try and get at the same thing. Teach me right from wrong. Teach me the scriptures. So I had this list of seven, eight, nine things. And every single night with that penciled list, I would pray down that list asking the Lord to give me these things. Now, this is simple prayer. I don't suppose I spent more than 20 minutes of a night reading a chapter and praying a few prayers. The astounding thing was, whilst you're doing that every night, you're not feeling change. But the astounding thing was that within the year, I was transformed. I, without knowing you'd been transformed, you simply were in a completely different place. And in particular, I seemed to have within something that could tell in a blink whether something was true or false. Like with respect to theology or the Word of God or any book I picked up, I just know right off or talking to somebody, like talking to the Jehovah's Witnesses. And, you know, these guys long experienced in, you know, their, their arts. But, you know, take, it only take a few minutes to take the foundations out from what they were saying and, and you know, they, so they never come back because they didn't want the junior with them hearing what I had to say, you know. Uh, where did that come from? Not even 16, you know. And out of nowhere... It, it, it can only be that I was given a grace in answer to this prayer. But it was a prayer I prayed every day. And I think amongst the expressions of the grace was, um, well, I'll tell you how it worked out practically. I get to Bible college, uh, you know, say six years later, and now you've got the task of preaching. And so you're given on Tuesday, you're given your assignment, you know, next Sunday you're going to be in this church and you've got to preach a message. And so you've got to go prepare the message and hand it in as homework before you go. And, uh, you know, I always found this a chore, you know. Anyway, but what I found was I would just ask the Lord what to preach. And usually just hear immediately, instantly, one word, you know, faith, holiness, prayer, uh, and I'd no sooner heard the word and, oh, uh, get the main thought, remember the scriptures. I, I, I could prepare a whole message outline in a minute. Like, where'd that come from? 
Probably what was more astounding was this instant recall of scriptures I'd read all over the Bible, and yet I hadn't really been someone who like read five, ten chapters every day, and they're just bits and pieces. But I if I had to preach a message, I'd remember, say on faith, I'd remember, oh, it says this here, and it says that there, and, and I'd have to go look it up and find where it was, but I'd remember all this. And, now, this, this, is, this is a gift. And praise God, it stood me in very good stead all these years, you know? Very handy thing. But the fact is that that grace was given, and as far as I can tell, and this was before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but when I was born again, I was given the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, I was praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what Baptists did. We weren't Baptists, we were Salvation Army, but I was converted under Baptists and Methodists. And so they made a point of, well, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you pray and pray and pray for it. Well, I was given graces and gifts without knowing they were graces and gifts. But later on, a lot more. Now, I tell the story for this reason. And I've told the story of various places I've visited around the world for one reason and one reason only, that I wanted the young people in those churches to start praying the same prayer. I wanted the teenagers to take up that prayer for themselves. But the reason I'm telling you about it is because I have come to believe that no matter how old you are, you might be in your 60s today, and you could start praying that prayer now, and the Lord very quickly would bring you into another whole level of understanding and, and scriptural insight and wisdom. So I'm saying to everybody here, young and old, that if you will pray this kind of prayer, seeking the Lord for understanding, well, that's your point word, but around it can be other words. You know, insight, discernment, wisdom, knowledge. But if you will seek the Lord for understanding, there is a grace. And it happens to be one of those graces that if you pursue it, is more easily or more readily or sooner obtained than other graces. That's the astounding thing about it. And the reason I think it's more soon made available or it builds up fairly soon is because I think it's a critical component with respect to us being the fellowship of the saints or the, you know, the fellowship of the spirit. Both terms mean the same thing. In other words, if it's building up the body, building up your relationship with the body, your understanding of the body, bear in mind every time you come and take communion, the bread and the wine within you are meant to have an appreciation of the body of Christ. You're meant to respect the body, honor the body. Sin against the body is the very thing that, that is the, against other Christians or other churches. You know, this will be attitudes to pastors, attitudes to people. Sin against the body is the very thing that will work against you at the table of the Lord. If, if you're carrying that as a, you know, as a sin that you, you love and cling to, that's the thing that has to be dealt with at the table. Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment to themselves, Paul said. So this is why the spirit of understanding is such a critical anointing 
because it deals with a whole lot of heart issues. It opens your eyes to see. It's basically power that is given you that gives you what we spoke about this morning, the power to grasp. That is the power to understand. This morning, many of you weren't here, but well, many of you were. What I said was, we talked about impartation this morning. It takes power to heal someone. It takes power to give someone an anointing, that is to, to exercise impartation, which you all can do. But I made the point that it also takes power to receive grace. And that's what we're, in the mornings we're dealing with the, the power to give and in the evenings we're dealing with the power to receive, basically. And that's what I'm talking about now. If you will seek the Lord for this grace, the spirit of understanding, what you will find is that it fills the gap or fills the bill toward meeting many needs you have. It's like of the, if, if the church is going to be possessed of this sevenfold spirit, like if the fullness of the Godhead is going to ultimately dwell in the church on earth, the key to it or the leading edge of it. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you begin to get, to take all that in? Well, imagine it like a funnel and the point of entry is this spirit of understanding. One of those graces is a key to growing in all the others because it is the key to unity and oneness and love of the brethren. Aside from other things. Aside from things such as simply having a grace gift for revelation. And now, so now if we go and read Paul's prayer laid out in the Ephesian epistle, it'll make sense in the light of what I've just said. And that's what we will do in a minute. We'll read it. But we get some similar things in Colossians. And so if I can just narrow this down now to a kind of a conclusion. Here, here's the Colossians 1. Uh, 1 verse 9. And so from the day we heard... We've not ceased to pray for you, Paul says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Here's a new church, a newish church that Paul has never been to, doesn't know the people. He might know one or two. Obviously, disciples of his or people from Ephesus, people he has known, have gone out there, planted churches in Laodicea and in Colossian, and he's never been to any of them, but he writes letters to them. The Ephesian letter is the one that probably got written originally for the Laodiceans. And he writes this one for the Colossians. And then he told them each, make sure you read the other one. Well, he told the Colossians. He, he talks about the Laodiceans three or four times in this Colossian letter. Make sure you read the letter I wrote them. Make sure you let them read the letter I've written you. So here, and he says the same thing in both of them. We'll, we'll come to the other letter in a moment. That's the Ephesian prayer. Here he's touching on his prayer to the Colossians. They're similar, but they have some, a few different elements. You can read them both profitably. Pray them for yourself and your church profitably. But, but look at the lead-in point. The lead-in point for both prayers is similar. He says, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be, listen to it, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So it's just a, you know, a bigger way of trying to get at this understanding, knowledge, insight, wisdom. In other words, it's critical at the ground floor. He's writing this to young churches 
and he's writing it to both of them, it is super critical that you get in on this grace. Not cease praying for you that. And he goes on to explain more about why this is so. Um, you, let's put 10 to 12 up. Why is it so that this grace must be in place? He explains, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks. All this comes from a good dose of the spirit of understanding. In other words, you get a mature Christianity. And then he mentions the kingdom. This is heart of the kingdom stuff. That's in verse uh, 13. But he says, look, before we leave Colossians, take a look at this one more. Colossians 2, 1 to 4. He's already told them that prayer, but in in all four chapters of Colossians, he keeps going back to this kind of thing. And here's here's the second chapter bit. But I want you to notice the opening bit. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Look, oh, here it is, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. It's critical. But notice he says, I want you to know how great a struggle. In other words, it takes, you've got to take pains over this. There's a battle over this. It takes power. It takes power to obtain understanding. This is to do, this has to do with the powers of the kingdom. So it's it's not just talk, it's not just words. And you with all now this, you know, fresh kind of glimpse, I'm suggesting everybody, no matter what your age, go back. Start crying out every day a prayer, Lord, grant me understanding. Grant me this insight. Because it'll, if you've got to pray it every day for a year, great. You, you'll be surprised where you'll end up. And not only that, I'm, show, I'm going to show you now what, what else you're going to get with the package. If we go to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, now I showed you how he opened the prayer with the Colossians. Now I'm going to show you how he opens it with the Ephesians or if you like the Laodiceans. Uh, and the Ephesians got the carbon copy. We know for a fact the letter was not written to the Ephesians because he starts off by, it's very obvious he has never met them. But the Ephesus church, no, he started that church and he lived there two and a half years. He knew them all. He'd appointed the elders. No, he's writing to someone else and they've got a copy of the letter, which was a common practice. So anyway, just getting that out of the road, here's where he lets on um, he said, I do, not, I do not cease to give thanks for you, this is verse 16, remembering you in my prayers, that, now, now look at the beginning of the prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, you don't have the word understanding there, but you don't necessarily need it. We are dealing with the same dynamic, but he calls it here an anointing. He says it's the spirit of wisdom and 
revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Notice the word revelation. That's what comes with the package. And all these years, I've had revelation come easily. I, I have questions and answers open. I sit to read the Bible and suddenly see things I never saw before, like it flows easily. And I realize it goes all the way back to those prayers I prayed when I was 15 years old. I was given this very thing that Paul here calls the spirit. Now for spirit, read anointing, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Right here in black and white is the thing every believer should pray for. Now in the context, Paul has it as a prayer for the whole church. It's best when it's prayed for the whole church of a city. But to pray it easily for the whole church of a city, you need the whole church of a city to be one people. We're not quite that. But this is the actual context of it. Well, with these explanations, I, I want you to follow with me as we read the prayer. But bear in mind, first of all, the prayer is recorded in two halves. So the first half of the prayer is in chapter 1. And he gets to something in the prayer that he feels needs explaining. And it, it leads into this explanation, which leads to another subject, which leads to another subject. So you get the, the rest of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2. Now, chapter 2 in Ephesians, when the first half of it, he talks about, you know, you're saved by grace, not works. And then he gets on to talking about the church and apostles and prophets being the foundation, but it, specifically about the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile being removed because of the cross and being made one. It's like there's a host of stuff in these chapters. So finally, when he comes to start chapter 3, it's in his mind he's got to get back and finish that prayer. So he starts the chapter by saying again, well, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, Oh, oh, and then he remembers something else and he breaks off again. Oh, surely you, you know about the grace that was given to me. So now he talks more about God's holy apostles and prophets and revelation. And then halfway through chapter three, he, he gets back to, he says, oh, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. You know, the thing he's already said, but finally, and he finishes the prayer. Now, this is the way I read it. Two halves put together, but it, there's different ways maybe of describing it, but one of the ways I like to describe it is he's, he's praying you up a stairway or, or up the rungs of a ladder, if you like, to this glorious thing called the fullness of God. You come to the fullness of God, but the starts at the bottom with this prayer that he would give you the anointing for wisdom, revelation, knowledge, understanding, so now, now read with me. So we've, we've already read that bit. Um, we go to verses, the very next verse, 18 to 20, is the rest of the prayer as recorded in chapter 1. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Now this is the result, by the way. See that opening phrase? Is that what we got here? Yeah, okay. See that opening phrase, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Well, it's not the opening phrase. That's what comes from praying that prayer that he would give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. So this having been established, your eyes will be enlightened. So all of a sudden, the eyes of the heart can see what they could not see before. 
that you may know. And as it turns out, Paul puts three important things listed here. That you may know these three important things. And they're all listed right there. So the first is, um, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Imagine if you got a better handle on that. This thing that is so vast and wonderful, I has not seen. But we, we know it by his spirit. Second thing is, and this is a bit harder to get a hold of, what is the oh, wait, wait, wait. no? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? This is not now about your inheritance in him. It's about his inheritance in you and all the saints. There's mystery worth unfolding. And the third is, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? There's not one of us here that doesn't need a greater re revelation of the power, which he says, if you look at it according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised you. In other words, resurrection power. The same power raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. Well, now you know you've hardly touched it. You've hardly begun to touch it. There's so much more for us. And it's on this point he breaks off to explain a whole bunch of things because as soon as he starts naming this, oh, there's a whole lot to talk about. So he breaks the prayer off at that point. Now we go back to the end of the prayer in chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We talked about this this morning. Strengthened with power. It takes power to get revelation. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Now, what's interesting here is there's been progression of thought in the prayer. The first half of the prayer dwells mainly on revelation that is being given more understanding, more insight, the ability to see, the ability to grasp, and then where does it lead? It leads to astounding experiences of love. That's what we're coming to in the prayer that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. So you're still needing power here. The power to comprehend. The, the power to get hold. Remember, taking hold of what's in God is not just knowing about it. This kind of knowledge we're talking about, this, this ability to take a hold of what's in, is, in him is experiential. You know it. You live in it. It's in you. So this is why you need power to comprehend. But look at this telling phrase. It's right there on the board. With all the saints. I told you this prayer was it's kind of a plural prayer. We're all meant to go there together. Imagine if all the saints in a congregation were all praying for this, this spirit of understanding. And so with all the saints, you'd be given power to comprehend the breadth and length and depth and height of Jesus' love. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So now you're, now you're getting beyond your ability to explain anything. And finally, look at this, that you may be filled with not just the fullness of God, all the fullness of God. Astounding stuff. All on earth, in time, and 
All of you have heard preachers preach about Ephesians 4, you know, Christ and ascension appoints, appoints apostles, prophets, events, pastors, teachers, work with the saints until we all come to. It's until we all come to that. The next chapter, in other words, expands on this or builds on this. But in the next chapter, it refers to it as the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Look, this is huge. And all I'm urging upon you tonight is two things. Basically, you need more power. We must find the power of the Holy Ghost all over. And a big key is this constant prayer that we, we seek under the spirit of understanding. Get such a dose of that, which would lead to so much else. All right, so that's where we put the pause button on and, uh, and pray some prayers. I'll, I'll get the musicians to return. And uh, the best thing, look, you're sitting here, you're in the Holy Spirit, faith is present, hunger is present. And the best thing we can do is, is bring our prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, we want the fullness of God and would you take us there? And tonight, would you give everybody a good dose of this anointing, the spirit of understanding? It has all kinds of outworkings and I, everywhere I go, every meeting I do, I make a few exceptions like tonight, but 99.9% um, .9 of all the meetings I do, if I stand up, I pray whether people know what I'm doing or not, and I release the spirit of understanding. And the amazing thing is, the sermon flows better, but more importantly, there's a depth of understanding just in the hearts of ordinary people that wouldn't have otherwise been there. It just, it just works because grace is grace, anointings are real, and we do have authority and power, you know, to place grace on people. So there is an anointing by which community is built and it just turns out a whole lot of other things are built by the same grace, the spirit of understanding. And so much is said in the Bible about it. It's amazing that you'd be, you'd be so blind. Uh, you know, Solomon, Solomon in all his wisdom, he says, in all you're getting, get understanding. You know, we had a good lead in right there. So that's, that is now the theme for your prayers. And if you come back next year, I'm going to look you in the eye and say, did you pray? <laughs> did you take up this prayer? <laughs> Anyone I see in a week, you might be fair game then. Or so anyway, believe with me now, would you? Uh, we, got, we got some little thing we can sing first. Little, little, uh, just a little. Let, let's, let's just sing a few words. And then we're going to start to pray and believe God, eh? I wonder if uh, all those who are pastors present might like to just stand with me across the front here while we share prayer. So if you're a pastor, you're a married couple, wives of pastors or husbands, uh, you, you can come together if, um, if you've got the responsibility of leadership in any ministry, just uh, crowd, crowd down the front. Mm -hmm. 
And everybody else, stay with us because this prayer is for you. I want everyone tonight to drink of the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe. So if we crowd all these leaders forward and then anybody else wants to stand behind, you know, you can feel free to. But um, just wanted pastors especially stand with me. And um, but anybody else, anybody else wants to stand, come forward. You may, but you can just as easily soak the Spirit of God and right where you are. So Lord, we thank you for the holy presence of a holy God, and we thank you for the word of Scripture, all that has been promised. You've said, Lord, you said you had granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and we thank you for these words. And so we gather together tonight in the presence of the Holy One, the Living One. And I thank you, Lord, you have grace and gifts for your people. Because Scripture says, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts. Some of which are named, but there are many more. Thank you for the gifts of God. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. And so, Lord, tonight I pray for everyone present, young and old alike, the, even, the, even the babes in arms. I ask, Lord, that the, the mind of Christ would be revealed and positioned and fully formed in every one of these believers, the mind of the Lord. I thank you for that word we have that says you have the mind of the Lord. I thank you for every rich promise. And we thank you there is such a grace, the spirit of understanding. We thank you for the, the sevenfold spirit of God. That is the fullness of the anointing. The, remember there your word, oh Lord, how God, how God anointed Jesus with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And I thank you, Lord, the reality of that is ours. The same anointings that were upon him are for us. And tonight we draw near to you to receive them. That is to receive a greater portion. I thank you for what we've had in the past and all that we have had and every blessing and favor. But I thank you there is more available tonight, just as Jesus said, how much more will the Father give? And so we, we stand in the presence of God or we, we sit in the presence of God, knowing that your arms are about the whole meeting, your, your spirit is present over the whole meeting. I thank you, Lord, tonight we receive grace. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus, I receive from the hand of God, from the throne of grace, I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. I receive it from the hand of God and I place it upon every one of you. I place this upon your minds, upon your hearts, and in the name of the Lord Jesus, I release it to you. 
And now it might flood your conscious thought and your memory and your will. Lord, flood them right now with the presence of the Lord, and especially with this grace for understanding. Thank you for the spirit of understanding that rested on the Christ. And Lord, this tonight, this anointing by which community built, is built, I place that anointing specifically upon the hearts and minds of every person here in this building and those who will listen in coming days, I place upon you right now the spirit of understanding. I place it upon your heart. I place it upon your mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I release it to you. Thank you, Lord. And now may revelation spring up. The, the truth of, grace, uh, of, of Jesus Christ be all the more established in every heart. Grant insight, grant wisdom, grant knowledge and discernment. I ask your Lord, does a fresh work of God go deep to the heart? And I pray that along with all of that, you would give to every one of these humble and earnest and seeking souls the, the impulse of the Spirit by which to seek the power of God for the day in which they live and for the place in which they live. The power of God. Lord, we seek the power of the Holy Spirit. And so anoint them afresh. Baptize them with your spirit. And thank you that you hear our prayers. We receive, O oh Lord, your goodness tonight. Receive your peace. We receive the riches of Christ. We thank you for the treasury of Christ in which are hidden all the rich treasures of wisdom and understanding. And Lord, we bring our hearts to you for you to fill them. And so now clothe these brothers and sisters, clothe them with peace. And I pray especially now for the pastors that you would increase their authority. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I place upon every one of you who is a preacher. You've been called to preach, you're anointed to preach, you do preach. And I place upon you tonight increased authority in the Word of God. In Jesus' name, I release it to you. Authority in the Word of God, in preaching and in prayer, in declaration. Authority from Christ, I give you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers and thank you, you will continue to speak. You'll continue to deal with every heart for we desire to be face to face with Jesus in these days.